Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And we cast out demons in your name, and we did many mighty works in your name. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Why do I share this verse so often? It's because I understand my audience. And here within the church, there are a lot of people who are in danger of being trapped by the enemy through self-deception and self-righteousness. And I know that all across this room, there are some amazing testimonies of what God has done, bringing people from the pit and delivering people from addiction and life-controlling issues and restoring marriages and restoring relationships. I know all across this room, people have done that. And I know that there's a lot of people who would have the story when they would come and stand up here this morning and say, I thank God that I'm not the person that I used to be. But it's very dangerous that you don't fall into this trap of self-righteousness where you think that just because you're not who you used to be, that you are who you need to be. Let me say that again. It's important that you don't fall into the trap of self-righteous deception by believing that just because you're not as bad as you used to be, that you're really where you need to be with God. Chances are you may not be. If you're trusting in the fact that you're not who you used to be, you're not that old same sinner you used to be, the chances are you're in the boat, you're in the shoes of this Pharisee and his self-righteous attitude. When the sinners walk into the room, you look at them and say, man, I'm so glad I'm not like that guy. And you forget that you were that guy. You forget that you were in those shoes. You forget that it was you who was destined for hell until God stepped in and graciously allowed you to accept the gospel. The sanctuary is filled with people who have stories who are a lot better off than they used to be. And the temptation is to be satisfied and pleased with that progress, pleased in yourself. And the moment you become pleased with yourself, you take your eyes off of the dependence that you have on salvation in Jesus Christ. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this, that we should examine ourselves to see whether or not we are in the faith, that we should test ourselves, or do you not realize about your, this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test. That we should test or examine ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, search our hearts today. Am I really truly right with God? Or am I trusting in a prayer? Or am I trusting in my progress rather than trusting in the Lord? Because it was so important that Jesus stopped what he was doing in the midst of his ministering and preaching. And he says, listen, I have a story to tell you people who are trusting in yourselves right now. Why? Because he looked around the room and there were a lot of them. A lot of people trusting in themselves. You, you realize one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, don't you? How much better is it for you to stop today what you're doing 
and search your heart and examine yourselves to make sure that you're right before you go and you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are you there? Or when you enter into the presence of the Lord, would you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? You've done so much. You trusted in Jesus for salvation. And because of that great love that you had for Christ, for what he did for you, you did many great things in the name of the Lord. Come thou and enter into the presence of the Lord. Come and enjoy the place that I've prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Or would you hear, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. You did a lot of works, but you never knew me. What would you hear? He says, I have a story to tell you about the people who trust in themselves, in their own righteousness, and they treat others with contempt. That word contempt, it means to despise or to look down upon someone. It means to ridicule someone. In, in modern day terms, it would be to be a bully. These people are the bullies. They throw their weight around. They look down upon other people. They talk about people behind their backs. They look at them with scorn. And none of us want to think about ourselves as a bully, as a spiritual bully, so to speak. But you need to check your hearts this morning. What is your attitude when you walk by or you drive by the same attic that has been there week after month after year? What's your attitude towards that person? Do you look at them with contempt? With scorn, or do you realize that that person, that soul, is a soul that Jesus died for that desperately needs the gospel? When you see the single mother desperately trying to hold it together, trying to corral her kids, and the kids are acting up, and you can tell that she's frustrated and that she's had it up to here, you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. You don't know the struggles that she has, the weight that she's carrying, but in your heart, you pass judgment and you think, man, if those kids were my kids, that would not be happening. Check your heart. How about you walk into the room and you see the teenager with the piercings and the tattoos and the ripped jeans and you think, oh man, what is this person doing? What kind of lifestyle is this person leading? You have no idea the heart that that person has. You have no, you're passing judgment. You're treating them with contempt. Now, do you believe, like I believe, that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes? That includes the addict laying in the gutter. That includes the single mother struggling to make ends meet. That includes the teenager with the ripped jeans and the piercings. God loved them and died for them and wants them to know the gospel. And he sent you to take them the gospel. But the fact of the matter is this. Every time you look at them and you choose to not share, you're treating them with contempt. You're saying without saying, you're not worth my sharing the gospel with you. We need to check our hearts. Because he told this parable to these kinds of people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous on their own and treated others with contempt. He goes on in this parable, doesn't he? And he says, listen, he, he begins this, verse 10. Look at Two men went up to the temple to pray. Pause there. Two men went to the temple. There's two men in this room all across this sanctuary. Those of you listening at home, there are two types of people. There are two types of heart. There's the heart of the Pharisee and there's the heart of the publican. There's the heart of the Pharisee and there's the heart of the tax collector. And what we're going to see here soon is just how different they are. But there were two men. And all throughout the scripture, there's this contrast that God paints 
See, there's the wheat and there's the tares, isn't there? And the wheat and the tares will one day be separated and the wheat will be brought into the barn of the Lord and the tares will be gathered together and they will burn for eternity. Wheat or tares, who are you? There are sheep and there are goats and they're all in one fold today. But there's going to come a day at the end of the ages when the fold will be separated and the sheep will come into the right hand and into the bosom of the Father. And the goats will be separated and cast off into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? There are two paths that we can be on today. There's the narrow path that leads to righteousness and leads to the glory of God. And there's the broad path. And there are many people on this broad path. And this broad path leads straight to destruction and damnation. Which path are you on today? Jesus says that you're either for me or against me. You either gather with me or you scatter abroad. The word of God says that you're either sowing to the spirit or you're sowing to the flesh. The scripture says, I wish that you were either hot or cold. There's these contrasts throughout the scriptures. Look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 17. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for the leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit there's a contrast there's a tree you're either going to be a shrub that is in the dry ground that is dying or you're going to be a tree planted by water that soaks in the nutrients that's in the center of God's will that is relying upon the spirit of God you're either in the flesh or the spirit you're either alive or you're dead spiritually today In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells another parable. And again, he's telling this parable to the religious people in the room. And he says, a man threw a feast, a wedding feast for his son. And all of the people who were invited refused to show up. So what the father did for his son is he sent out to the highways and the byways. He went to the gutters. He went to the rehabs. He went to the gambling houses. He went to the worst of the worst, and he said, why don't you come into my son's wedding feast? Because those who were invited chose not to come. They decided not to come, but you're welcome to come. And then he clothed them all in wedding garments. He clothed them all in beautiful attire so that they could attend his son's wedding. And the father shows up, and he looks around the room, and something catches his eye off in the distance, and he sees someone in the room who does not have on the wedding garments who's not wearing the clean robes of attire, who's not, as it would say in Isaiah chapter 61, who is not clothed with the garments of salvation, who is not robed in the righteousness of Christ. He sees someone that is not clothed properly. He says, you, get out of here. You don't belong here. And he's separated. He's cast out of the celebration. Why? Because he wasn't clothed. This morning, you're either clothed with the righteousness of Christ or you're naked before the eyes of God. There is no in-between. God sees two people here today, the sheep, the goats, the wheat, the tares, the broad, the narrow, those in the spirit, those in the flesh, those who are clothed, and those who are naked. There is no in-between. Who are you this morning? It says that they went to the temple, these two men, they went to the temple at the same time to pray. The temple was open every day, and they were meant to go, the truly religious would show up every day at 9 a.m., at noon, and at 3 to offer their prayers to God. And so Believe it or not, but you have to believe that this Pharisee, he was there every day, every time the temple was open so that he could pray. And he sees this tax collector come in. And in his heart of hearts, he must be thinking, what is this guy doing here? 
He doesn't belong here. I belong here. I belong in the presence of the Lord. That person doesn't belong in God's presence. Not like me. You have to guard your heart against that same attitude. Two men went to the temple to pray. The first one being a Pharisee, the most religious of this culture, revered and righteous. They were seen as righteous. They knew all of the right verses. They kept all of the right rules and regulations. They were respected members of the community. And they had this veneer on the outside, but Jesus saw right through it. And in Matthew chapter 23, you can read about how Jesus looks through the veneer, through the outside shell of these Pharisees. And he says, listen, you like to clean the outside of the cup, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. It's wicked. You look the part on the outside, but your inside has not yet been redeemed. He says, you know what? You like to tithe, and you make sure that you tithe of every little thing, but you neglect the bigger issues of the law, like justice and mercy and caring for widows and orphans. You've neglected those things, but you make sure you tithe every little bit. He says, you know what? You make sure that you strain gnats out of your tea before you take a drink. The, the gnat was the smallest of unclean animals. But you're swallowing camels. You're such a hypocrite, he would say. You're hypocrites. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs that on the outside, they look like they're beautiful, they're well decorated, they're well cared for, but just underneath the surface, all that's there is dead men's bones. You are spiritually dead. Yes, you can say all the right things. Yes, you go to all the right meetings. Yes, you know all the right rules, but you're dead on the inside. You've never been quickened by God. Jesus sees through that. There's the Pharisee, and then there was the tax collector. This tax collector would have been despised by the Jewish people. This was a man who was seen as a traitor to his country and to his religion and to his God. You see, what his role was as a tax collector is he would go and he would collect the taxes on behalf of Rome, and he'd take that money back, and he'd give those taxes to Rome. There was a certain quota that he had to meet, and anything that he collected on top of that quota, he got to pocket and so he was literally robbing the Jewish people blind. One of their own, robbing them blind. But there he is in the temple of the Lord. He came to pray. You realize that when Jesus walked the earth, he was accused of being the friend of the tax collector and the sinner? You realize that Jesus said this in Luke chapter 5. It says this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but I came to call the sinners to repentance. Are there any sinners here this morning? He came for you, not the righteous. So let's look at this Pharisee. Let's look at the pride of the Pharisee. Let's look at the way he prays. Look at verse 11. It says, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. The Pharisee was all by himself. He didn't want to be around other people. In his attempts to remain holy and be righteous, he didn't want to be tainted by anyone. But you understand it's difficult, don't you, to be salt and to be light if you're not around some people from time to time? So he despised people. He didn't want to be around people. He didn't want to help people come into the presence of God. He didn't want to lead people into the presence of the Lord. He just wanted to keep his own righteous set of rules and regulations and know that his heart was right before God. So there he was by himself. And when it says in the Greek that he prayed thus, more literally it would say he prayed thus within himself. How sad to think about this, that when this Pharisee came into the temple of the Lord, to pray to God, he wasn't even praying to God. He was praying to himself. He was talking 
to himself, how many days, how many hours, how much of this Pharisee's life had he spent in prayer thinking he was talking to God, but God never heard a single word because he was just talking about himself. He loved to hear himself talk about himself. That's where this Pharisee's at. He says this, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. Can't you just hear the arrogance in this prayer? Can't you hear the pride and the hubris? I thank you that I am not like other men. And there's that spirit of contempt that we're talking about. Right? I thank you that I'm not like these people. You realize, don't you, that he's already failed because he's comparing himself to the tax collector. He's comparing himself to the adulterer. He's comparing himself to the extortioner and the thief. He's not comparing himself to a holy God. You know, you understand, right, don't you, that you can find someone in this room that if you compare yourself to, your life looks pretty darn good, right? You might be thinking about your neighbor. Man, I've got my life together compared to my neighbor, but God is not judging on the curve. You don't compare yourself to your neighbor. You don't compare yourself to the tax collector and the sinner and say, see, God, how great of a deal you got when you saved me. No, you compare yourself to a holy and righteous God, and then you tell me how you stand up against that judgment. See, when Moses had an encounter with the Lord at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, do you realize the scripture says he fell upon his face when he realized the presence of the holiness he was standing in? You realize that the children of Israel didn't want to go up to Mount Sinai. They sent Moses in their place because they were in awe and in fear and in dread of the glory of God. Do you realize that when Joshua had an encounter with the angel of the Lord in Joshua chapter 5, he fell flat on his face? You know, in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah had an encounter with the holiness of God, all he could say is, woe is me. I am undone. I'm falling apart. My life is falling into pieces in comparison to God. You realize that when Peter, James, and John went up to the Mount of Transfiguration and the glory of God overwhelmed them, that they fell flat on their faces? You know, when the apostle Paul was on his way on the road to Damascus and the glory of the Lord overshadowed him, that immediately he fell on his face and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? You realize that when God revealed his glory, Jesus revealed his glory to the apostle John in the book of Revelation, that he says he fell down in that moment as though he were dead. He was paralyzed by the glory of God. Of God. That is what you will find if you compare yourself to the Lord. If you truly have an encounter with God, you will be left with that gnawing feeling within your spirit that you know that you need a Savior. Know that you are so desperate and in need of someone to come and to rescue and redeem you. Do you know why people don't want that encounter with God? It's because they don't want to really truly believe they're a sinner. Ministries are built around this idea that, no, no, we can't use the word sin. We can't call people to repentance. We need to tell people how good they are and how much God loves them and how if they just follow these few simple rules that their life will be flourishing and that they will be blessed, never once leading people to the realization that they are in sin and in need of a Savior. Ministries are built around. Look at these statistics. I want you to see this. This is that same study that we looked at just a while back, percentage of churches whose pastor has a biblical worldview. We're talking about the pastors now that have a biblical worldview in these areas of purpose, calling, family, and non-denominational. Look at, look at, that's how many pastors don't have a proper worldview. Look at the next one. All Christian pastors, this study, when they ask questions about life, about God's righteousness, about holiness, about belief in the Bible, 37% of Christian pastors actually have a Christian worldview. 
biblical worldview. 37%. You realize that's how terrifying that is, don't you? These are the men who are standing at pulpits who are trying to lead people into the presence of the Lord, and they are not there themselves. Look at this next slide. Look at this. Percentage of Christian pastors that possess a biblical worldview. All Christian pastors, 37%. Senior pastors, 41%. Associate assistant pastors, 28%. Look at what's happening in our youth. 13% of children's pastors and youth pastors actually have a biblical worldview. And look at the last one. Executive pastors within the church, only 4% of those polled have an actual biblical worldview. This is terrifying. Look at this last slide. This is based upon size of congregation. Pastors who have a congregation of 100 or fewer, 41. 101 to 250, 41. Or 37, 41. 101 to 250, 45%. But look at the so-called mega churches or large churches, that number drops to 14%. The men that are leading the church today, quote-unquote, leading the church today are not even Christians themselves. This is what that means. And here we're looking at this text where Jesus is warning these men, hey, you're getting up there and you don't want to compare yourself to other people because you don't want to hear that you're a sinner in need of a savior. You don't want to hear that kind of a word. And so what happens is the church doesn't want that and so we find leaders that will tell us what we want to hear. Don't tell me about sin. Don't tell me that I need to be righteous. Don't tell me that I need to repent and turn to God. Just tickle my ears a little bit. Tell me about some principles that I can follow so that I have a good marriage. Tell me that what I can do in order to have a, a, a children that are happy and, and that are participating in the church. Just don't tell me about sin and don't call me to repentance. This is the way it's put in Isaiah chapter 30. For they are a rebellious people, speaking to the children of Israel, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, who say to the prophets, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right, but speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. This is where we're at. This is what's happening in the church today. This is the way Paul put it in 2 Timothy. You've heard this before, and I'm going to say it again. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths or into lies. Of megachurches, why are only 14% of those pastors in those pulpits preaching why are only 14% really truly born-again Christians have a biblical worldview? The reason for that is because the people don't want a saved pastor. The people don't want a pastor that's going to preach truth. Tell you what, at this church we love you too much and we fear God too much to not preach the truth. You need to repent. Praise the Lord. You need to repent and you need to turn to God. He is your only hope for salvation. This man, he's proud of himself. And he says, I thank you that I'm not like these other men. And then he begins to give God a list of things that he's done and reasons why he's such a great person. Look, God, I fast twice a week. 
And what these guys would do is they would go on Mondays and on Thursdays, which is when the markets were open in Jerusalem, and they would disfigure their faces, and they would wear dirty clothing, and they would make sure that they don't brush their teeth, and they don't fix their hair, and they would just walk around looking really sad and melancholy and depressed so that people would know that they were praying. They were drawing attention to themselves. I fast twice a week. Look at how great of a person I am. I tithe of all that I've got. I I give tithes. Look at this. God, isn't this a great thing? Haven't you saved a wonderful person in me? Heart so far from the Lord. This is what I want you to understand and hear this morning about the danger of religion. Is that you can be very, very religious and never really be right with God. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.